Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Hello, a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket, the penultimate, penultimate peril. And Peyton is getting ready to pull a tarot card for somebody special. Let's see here. We're going to look at somebody who commented recently. And we're going to shout somebody out too. Okay, who have we not? Oh, okay. Somebody named Rebecca. Ooh, that's this, a pretty name. And it's Rebecca. R-E-B-E-K-A-H. And you left a comment one day ago. And so we're going to read a tarot card for you. Queen of Cups upside down. Okay, Queen of Cups upside down. It's really pretty. She's wearing a really pretty dress and she's sitting in a clamshell. Like a really big pink clamshell and she has a a crown. She has a cup and it's really, she looks like she's at the beach. It is beautiful. Oh my gosh, how cute. You have little. I'm, a, I'm making, I'm going to make them like. She has little like post-its to keep track of where all of them are so she can read them. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, Queen, Queen of, of Cups. Cups. Oh, remember, it's reversed. I know. Although it's good to be in touch with your emotions, you must watch how they get the best of you. You're, if you're feeling moody, make sure you're putting f- self-care as a priority. Tend to your needs or ask someone for support. In cases, this card may mean that you must be ready to listen to someone. So what do you think that means? Um... I think that means, like, how do you express your feelings? Like, make sh- how do you express your feelings? Like, what do you mean more? more? You want to read it one more time? No, it Here. just means, like, you have to, you need to, like, take care of your feelings. You need to let them do their thing or something. Like, respect your own feelings and stuff? Yeah, and, like, I mean, ask somebody for help yes, if yes, you're yes, having, yes. like... Yes, Okay. Love it. Rebecca, we hope that that was helpful. Are you bringing those to school and doing? If you put it in upside down, it'll um push them down. If you put the book in, upside, no, oh, I, okay. no, I keep it up like this, mm-hmm. cause then mm-hmm. I just do this and look, oh, and look, look at, at that. And when I pull it up, mm-hmm. a little bit. There you go. You got if them I, all there. And then no, no, no. Look at. I get a couple. Ah, brilliant. Cool. Okay, sorry if that made noise. Okay, now it's time to read Sunny Baudelaire's experience as a concierge. Zippity doodah concierge, a baby concierge. I would feel I would feel very bad having a concierge that was a baby. I just could not do it. 
What? It sounded like fart. Oh, the book? Watch. That's the book. I thought that was you farting. If my farts sounded like this, I would be... That would be magical, I think, right? Not magical. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, if my farts sounded like that... Not quite magical. I Mom. wouldn't be, like, as embarrassed. It could be worse. The teacher would be like, are you turning a page in... Are you reading in your desk yeah they could be like really like offensive and like scared like so that's offensive that's offensive yeah that's offensive so startling that it scared people no like when when you fart during your sleep oh 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 oh, sorry Uh, (sighs) do you want is there demons in my room oh no no that's just me farting you want to hear a funny story about farting hmm I had, when I was 18, I had a dog and I was walking her one time and I never knew that like dogs could actually fart and like make a noise. Cause like I never had my own dogs. And so I was taking her on a walk and she actually farted and scared herself. <laughs> like she was like, <gasps> and like looked behind her and it scared her. And it was so funny. And I was like, Oh my God, was that you? Oh well, God. who else would it be mom? I just didn't know that dogs could like make audible farts. I was like so. I don't also, know if I already brushed my teeth today. Good job. I mean tonight. tonight. Good job. Yeah, I didn't know. I was very impressed. <laughs> I don't know if the word impressed is right, but I was like what? surprised. Yes, I was very taken aback. All right, ready. Chapter sixty, 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 six, six, six. Chapter six, six or ten. Chapter six, 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 sixty, six. Okay. All right. Oh my gosh, I'm just excited to finish this chap these these series so that we can go to spooky Halloween season and read the spooky books. We have a whole stack of them. It's so cute. You guys, Peyton got her hair cut and I asked her to brush it so I can see how it looks like after she showered. Let me see. You have to say it's so cute. She's rolling her eyes and smiling, but that means like, stop it. Stop complimenting me. Okay, keep going. That's what that smile means. (laughs) Okay. Chapter six. When, it's so funny because like, look, every time the chapter starts, like the first word is always like, Yeah, it's always, like, special. It's, like, italicized. When the elevator reached the third story, Sunny bid goodbye to her siblings and stepped into a long, empty hallway numbered... Oh, here we go. She looks so cute. It is cute, I know. She's staring at herself in the mirror, guys. (laughs) Numbered doors lined the hallways, odd numbers to one side and even numbers on the other as well as large ornamental vases that were taller than Sunny, but not nearly as charming. The youngest Baudelaire walked on the smooth gray carpet in nervous, uncertain steps. Oh, that's funny. Pretending to be a concierge in order to be a flaneur, in in hopes of unraveling a mysterious unfolding in an enormous perplexing hotel was a difficult enough task for her older siblings, but it was particularly difficult for someone just growing out of babyhood. Over the past few months, Sunny Baudelaire had improved her walking abilities, adopted more, uh, adopted a more standard vocabulary, and even learned how to cook, but she was still unsure about whether she could successfully pass for the hotel per- as a hotel professional. As she approached the as she approached the guests 
who rung for concierge, she decided that she would adopt a uh, taciturn demeanor. Taciturn? To see turn? I don't know if I said that word right. A phrase here which means only communicate when absolutely necessary as to not call attention to her youth and relative inexperience as an employment in employment when sunny reached room 371 she thought at first that she had that there had been some mistake down in the lobby either frank or Ernest had told the baudelaires that the educational guests guests were staying in a particular room but the youngest baudelaire could not imagine what educational purpose she could be explained the unearthly sounds coming from behind that door Unless, perhaps, the teacher was giving a class on how to torture small animals. <sighs> I don't like that so far. That sounds terrible. Someone, or something, in room 371 was making dreadful squeaks, strange moans, piercing whistles, irritating shrinks, shrieks, mysterious mutterings, and suddenly a, mel- a m- m- melodic hum or two. The sounds were so loud that it was a moment before anyone heard Sonny's gloved fist knocking on the door. Who dares interrupt my gen- a genius when he's rehearsing? A voice that was loud and booming and strangely familiar. Concierge, Sonny called. Concierge, the voice mimicked. Concierge. Oh gosh, it's this guy. The voice mimicked back to Sonny in a high squealing tone that the Baudelaire's recognized instantly. Oh, that the Baudelaire recognized instantly, and to her dismay, the door opened and stood there stood a person that she had hoped she would never encounter again. If you've ever worked someplace and then later not worked there, then you know there are three ways that you can leave a job. You can quit, you can be fired, and you can exit by mutual agreement. Quit, as I'm sure you know, is when, is which means you were disappointed with your employer. Fired, of course means that like you weren't doing a good job mm-hmm. is a word here which means your employer was disappointed with you or like Peyton said not doing a good job an exit by mutual agreement is a phrase here which means you wanted to quit and your employer wanted to fire you and that you ran out of the office factory or monastery before anyone decided who got to go first in any case no matter which method you have to leave a job it is pleasant to run in a former it is never pleasant to run to run into a former employee because it reminds both of you of the miserable time you spent together. I once threw myself down a flight of stairs rather than face even one moment with a milliner who I, who at whose shop I quit working after I discovered the sinister truth about her Barrett's only to find that the paramedic who repaired my fractured arm was a man who fired me from a job playing an according at his orchestra. <gasps> only... After two and a half performances of a, of a certain opera, it would be difficult to say whether Sunny ended her brief stint, a word here which means dreadful period of time, working as an administrative assistant at Proof Rock Preparatory School by quitting, getting fired, or ex- exiting a mutual, by mutual agreement. She and her siblings were, mem- were removed from the boarding school in a scheme of Count Olaf's almost six as he almost succeeded, but was still unpleasant to be face-to-face with Vice Principal Nero. After all this time, what do you want, Nero demanded, brandishing the violin that he had been making all that dreadful noise. Sunny was not pleased to see that Nero's four pigtails, which were quite short when she had first made 
met uh, first made the vice principal's acquaintance had grown so long string had grown into long stringy braids and that he still liked to wear a necktie decorated with pictures of snails what a weirdo you rang sunny said as tacturnally as she could you rang nero mimicked immediately well so what if i did Bringing you is for no no excuse for interrupting me while I'm practicing my violin. I have a very important violin recital on Thursday, and I plan on rehearsing every moment until then. Please, boss," said another voice. And voice, another familiar voice. Nero had turned around, turned around, his greasy braids swinging behind them. Sunny saw to her dismay. Yeah, probably because he's dirty and never washes his hair. He's just like Olaf. Ugh. That Nero was sharing a room, 371, with two other figures from the Baudelaire's past. You said that we could stop for lunch, continued Miss, Mr. Romera, who had been Violet's teacher at Proof Rock Preparatory School. Although it would be difficult to say what kind of teacher he was, all as all he liked to do was tell short, pointless stories and eat banana after banana, occasionally smearing the yellow pulp all over his mustache, which was dark and thick like, as a gorilla's thumb. I'm so hungry I could eat a decagram of rice, Mr. Mr. Mrs. Bass said, who had been Klaus's teacher. It was clear that the enthusiasm for measuring things according to the metric system had to, had remained the same, but the youngest Baudelaire noticed that her noticed her appearance had changed somewhat. On top of her shaggy black hair was a small blonde wig, like a snow cap on the top of a mountain peak, and she was wearing a small narrow mask with two tiny holes for eyes. I've heard that there's a wonderful Indian restaurant in room 954. Normally, Sunny would have replied with an andiamo, which which was for her word of saying, I'd be happy to take you there. But she was afraid with her manner, speaking would give her away and her true identity. So instead, she continued in a taciturn demeanor by giving the three guests a little bow and gesturing down the hallway of one of the gloves, with one of her gloves. Vice Principal Nero looked disappointed, but then Sunny gave a, a simpering glance and mimicked her gesture and mimicked her gesture in an insulting way, proving he could mock someone even if they didn't speak. Don't you think you should you should bring your loot, Mr. Bass? Uh Miss Bass asked Mr. Romero Romera, pointing to the wall of three seventy one. No, no, Mrs. Bass said quietly, her eyes blinking nervously through the holes of the mask. It'll be safer in the room. Sunny tilted her head so that she could see past the teacher's knees and made her first important observation as a flaneur. Piled in the table of the hotel room near the window overlooking the sea was a large, bulky pyre, pile of large, bulky bags, each with the word Property of Mulctuary Money Management stamped on them in a stern black ink. The youngest Baudelaire could not imagine why Miss Bass was taking all the possessions from the bank where Mr. Poe worked, but with the two teachers and one vice principal waiting impatiently in the hallway, she had no time to stop and think. With another tacturn gesture, she quickly led the guests towards the elevator, grateful that Mrs. Bass knew the location of the restaurant. The youngest Baudelaire would have no would have had no idea how to find the Indian restaurant in the hotel, Dumont, without a catalog. I'm very excited to see about my recital, Vice Principal Nero said, as the small elevator began its journey to the ninth <sighs> story. I'm sure all of the music critics at the cocktail party will love my performance. As soon as I'm recognized, I am a genius. I can finally quit my job at, 
job at Proof Rock Preparatory. How will you know there will be music critics at the party? Miss, Mr. Romero asked. My invitation just said that there would be an all-you-can-eat banana buffet. Mine didn't say anything about music critiques either, said Mrs. Bass. It just said that there's a party in celebration of the metric system and that I should bring as many valuables as possible so that they can be measured. As a teacher, I don't earn enough money to purchase any valuables, so I had to resort to a life of crime. I had to resort to a life of crime, Nero mimicked. I can't believe a genius like myself invited the same to the, was invited to the same party as you two. As my squalor and her boyfriend must have accidentally mailed you those invitations. Sunny's eyes narrowed in thought behind her enormous sunglasses. Esme's squalor's boyfriend, of course, was none other than Count Olaf. After so much time struggling against his villainous schemes, the youngest Baudelaire's, Baudelaire was not surprised to hear that Olaf was planning further treachery, but she could not imagine why. why he was luring from her former employer at the hotel. She could have loved to continue her observations as a, as a flaneur, but the elevator came to a stop and she had to return to her duties as a concierge and utter at least one tacturn word. Nine, she said. Nine, Nero mimicked and pushed his way in front of her so he could exit the elevator first. Sunny followed and quickly guided the three guests to the door numbered 954, which, with, which she opened with a silence floor a silent flourish can i help you asked the wavering voice and sunny and sunny was astonished to recognize yet another person from the baudelaire's past he was a very old man wearing tiny glasses each lens scarcely larger than a pea when the children had first met this man he had not been wearing any kind a hat of any kind but today he had wrapped a length of cloth around his head to secure it in place with a shiny red jewel Sunny remembered such a turban on the head of Count Olaf when he had disguised himself as a gem teacher, but she could only guess what such thing would be worn by the man that the Baudelaire's had met at Heimlich Hospital. Can I help you? Nero mimicked. Can I help you? Miro mimicked. Of course you can help me. Of course you can help us. We're starving. Oh, I didn't realize this was such a sad occasion," said Hal, squinting through his glasses. "It won't be—it won't be a sad occasion if you feed us," said Mister Romero. Hal frowned, as if Miss Romero had given the wrong, him the wrong. Mister Romero had given him the wrong response, but he quickly un—he uh, quickly ushered the three guests to a wooden table in the otherwise deserted restaurant. We're proud to serve a wide variety of, of Indian dishes, he said, handing out menus and pouring everyone a glass of water. The culinary history of this region has been quite interesting, actually. When the British all have 10 grams of rice, Miss Bannister, Miss Bass in interrupted, one-tenth of hectogram of shrimp vindaloo, a decagram of chana aloo masala, 1,000 centigrams of tandoori salmon, salmon, four samosas with a surface area of 19 cubic centimeters, five deciliters, deciliters of mango lassi, lassi, and a sada rava dosai that's exactly 19 centimeters long. Sunny hoped that Hal would talk about some of the dishes that Mr. Mrs. Bass had ordered so her observations as a flaneur might also improve her cooking skills. But he merely wrote down her order without a comment and turned to Mr. Romero, who was frowning at the menu. I'll have 48 orders of the fried bananas, he said after much thought. 
interesting choice, Hal commented. And you, sir? A bag of candy, Vice Principal Nero demanded. Sunny had almost forgotten that her former employee enjoyed disma- dis- demanding candy from anyone that he could. Candy's not a tradition in the Indian dish, Hal said. If you're not sure what to order, allow me to recommend a combination plate. Allow me to recommend a combination plate, Nero mimicked as glaring at Hal. Never mind, I won't eat anything. It's probably too dangerous to eat candy from foreigners. Hal did not reply to this about his xenophobia, a word here which meant a fear of disgust of foreign cultures that Jerome Squalor had taught the Baudelaire's a while ago, but merely nodded. Your lunches will be ready shortly, he said. I'll be in the kitchen if you need anything. I'll be in the kitchen if you need anything, Nero mimicked immediately as Hal walked away through the pair of swimming doors. With a sigh, he moved his water glass off of his placemat and into the wooden table where it was sure to leave a ring and turned to the two teachers. That foreigner's head reminds me of that nice man coach Genghis. Nice man, Mr. Romero asked. If I remember correctly, he was a notorious villain in disguise. Mrs. Bass reached up nervously and adjusted her wig. Just because someone's a criminal, she said, does not mean that they're not a nice person. Besides, if you're on the run from the law, you're bound to get cranky from time to time. Speaking of running from the law, Mr. Romero said, but the vice principal cut off the sentence with a glare. We'll talk about that later, he said quickly. Then turned to Sunny. Concierge, go get us some napkins, he said, clearly inventing an excuse to get the youngest Baudelaire out of earshot. Just because I am not eating doesn't mean I can't get food on my chin. Sunny, Sunny nodded tactur, tactur, oh my God, taciturnly. That's not how you say it. I know it's not. Oh my gosh. And walked towards the swinging doors. As a flaneur, she was sorry to halt her observations, particularly when the guest of 371 seemed about to discuss something important. As the, as the budding gourmand, a phrase here which means young girl with a strong interest in cooking, she was eager to get a look at the restaurant's kitchen. Ever since Justice Strauss had taken the Baudelaire's to the market in order to buy some ingredients to make Pudinesca sauce, Sunny had been interested in the culinary arts, although it was only recent that she had actually matured enough to develop this interest. If you have never taken a peek inside of a restaurant kitchen, it is something you may want to try because it is full of interesting items and it is usually quite easy to sneak in, providing that you don't mind being glared at if you're discovered. But when Sunny stepped through the swinging door, she did not notice a single a single interesting item, item in the kitchen. For one thing, the kitchen was swirling with steam from a frozen pot that were boiling that were boiling in every corner of the room. The cloudy air made it difficult to see as much of anything, but that was not the main reason Sunny was ignoring the culinary equipment. There was a conversation going on between two fathomable figures in the room, and what was being said was far more interesting than any ingredient in the, in the what? In the gadget? Or, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm terrible. Oh my gosh, I'm getting tired, I think. Any ingredient or gadget in preparing traditional Indian dishes. I have news from J.S., either Frank or Ernest said, whispering to hell. Both men were standing on their, with their backs to Sunny, leaning inward to each other so that they could talk quiet as possible. Sunny maneuvered into the middle part of the particular cloud of steam so that she wouldn't be seen. J.S. Hell said, she's here. 
She's here to help, the manager corrected. She's been using her vision furthering device to watch the skies, and I'm afraid she, if she reports that I'm afraid she reports that we will be eating crow. I'm sorry to hear that, Hal said. Crow is a tough bird to cook because the meat is very muscular and all of the, from all the birds carrying carrying wait from all the carrying that crows do. Sunny scratched her head with one glove in puzzlement. The expression eating crow simply meant enduring and humiliation, and the youngest Baudelaire had learned it from her parents who disliked the taste that disliked to tease each other after playing one another at backgammon. Bertrand, um, okay, Bertrand, Sunny could remember her mother saying, tossing the dice into the ground in triumph. I have won again. Prepare to eat crow. Then, with her gleaming eyes, she would pounce on Sunny's father and tickle him while the Baudelaire children piled on top of their parents in a laughing heap. But Hal could seem, Hal seemed to be discussing the eating of crow in actual culinary dish rather than a figure of speech, and the youngest Baudelaire wondered if there were more to this Indian restaurant than she thought. It's, it's a shame, agreed Frank or Ernest, if one, if there was one Okay, if there was something that could make this dish a little sweeter. I've heard that certain mushrooms are available. Sugar would be better than mushrooms. Sugar would be better than mushrooms, Hal said unfathomably. According to the calculations, the sugar will be laundered sometime after nightfall, replied the manager, equally unfathomable. I'm glad, Hal said. My job has been difficult enough. Do you... Do you know how many leaves of lettuce I have had to send up to the roof? Frank or Ernest frowned. Tell me, he said, in even in an even more quiet tone. Are you who you think I are? Are you who who I think you are? Are you who I think you are? How equally equally quietly? Sunny crept closer, learn, hoping to hear more of this conversation to learn if either Frank or Ernest was referring to medusoid mycelium, which was the type of mushroom, or if Hal was referring to the sugar bowl. But to the youngest Baudelaire's dismay, the floor creaked slightly and the cloud of steam swirled away, and Hal and Ernest, or perhaps Frank, spun around to gasp, uh, to gasp at her. Are you who you think I you are you who I think you are? Said the two men in unison. One disadvantage of the of being a taciturn, a taciturn is that it is rare for your words to get in your to get you into trouble. A taciturn writer, for instance, might produce only one short poem every ten years, which is unlikely to annoy anyone. Whereas someone who writes twelve or thirteen books is relatively in rel- a relatively short time is like likely to find them find themselves hiding under the coffee table in a notorious villain holding his breath hoping that nobody at the cocktail party will notice the trembling bagamon set and wondering as the ink stain spreads across the carpeting if certain li- if certain literary exercises have been entirely worthwhile if Sunny had decided to adopt a chatty misdemeanor she would have had to think of a lengthy reply to the question she had just been asked and she could not imagine what 
that might be. If she knew that the manager in the kitchen was Frank, she would say something along the lines of, Sunny Baudelaire, please help, which was her way of saying, yes, I'm Sunny Baudelaire and my siblings and I need help uncovering the mysterious plot in the Hotel du Monde and in signaling our findings to the members of VFD. If she knew that Ernest, who was staring at her, or would say something like, no habla esperanto, which is... Which is her way of saying, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. The presence of Hal, of course, made the situation even more complicated because the children had exited their employment at the Heimlich Hospital of the Library of Records in mutual agreement, as Hal believed that they were responsible for the lighting of the library records on fire and the Baudelaire's needed to flee some hosp- flee the hospital as quickly as possible. But Sunny had no idea of knowing if Hal continued to hold a grudge, a phrase here which means was an enemy of the Baudelaire's, or if he was working at the hotel as a volunteer. But Sunny had adopted a taciturn, taciturn demeanor, and a taciturn answer was all that was required. The concierge, she said, and that was enough. Hal looked at Frank, or perhaps was it Ernest, and Ernest, perhaps it was Frank, looked at Back at Hal, the two men nodded and then crossed a shiny cabinet at the far end of the kitchen. Hal opened the cabinet and handed the large, strange object to either Frank or Ernest, who looked it over and handed it to Sunny. The object was like a large metal spider with curly wires spreading out in all directions, but the head of the spider might have been a keyboard or a typewriter. Do you know what this is? asked the villain or volunteer. Yes, the youngest Baudelaire said. Sunny had never seen such a device, but her siblings had described the strange lock they encountered in a secret passageway hidden deep within the Mortmain Mountains. It had not been for Violet's knowledge on the science and Klaus's remarkable memory of the Russian literature. Might not have ever opened the lock. Sunny and Sunny would still be Count Olaf's captive. Be very careful with it said either Frank or Ernest. When you place this device on the knob of an ordinary door and press the letters VFD, it will become a vernacularly fastened door. I want you to take this, take the elevator to the basement of the vernacularly fastened room of 025. That's the laundry room, you know. As House said, squinting through Sunny, at Sunny through his glasses, as with many laundry rooms, there's a vent with funnels and steam that comes from the washing machines to the outside of the room that doesn't, so it doesn't overheat. But if something were to fall from the sky at just the right angle, said Frank or Ernest, it might fall down on the funnel into the room. And if that something were very valuable, then that room ought to be locked up tight so that these items would not fall into the wrong hands. Sunny Baudelaire had no idea what these two adults were talking about and wished that they were still standing in the unnoticed steam, so she observed the rest of the conversation. But the, she gripped the strange lock in her gloves and gloved hands and knew that this was not the time to be a flaneur. I'm grateful for your assistance, concierge, Frank said, or maybe it was Ernest, or maybe it was the man answering... Maybe the man answering was neither brother. Not many people have the courage to help with a scheme like this. Sunny gave one more taciturn nod and turned to exit the kitchen. In silence, she walked through the swinging doors and turned across the restaurant, not even pausing to listen to the whispered conversation that Vice Principal Nero was having with Mr. Ramora and Mrs. Bass. In, and in silence, she opened the door to Mister to room 954 and walked down the hallway to the elevator. It was only when she was traveling down to the basement that Sunny's silence was shattered by an enormous sound.
noise, an enormous noise. The clock in the lobby of the Hotel Dumont is the stuff of legends, a phrase here which means a very famous for being loud. It is located in the very center of the ceiling at the top of the dome, and when the, locks, and when the clock announces the hour, it its bell clangs through the center, the entire building, making an immense deep noise that sounds like a, a certain word being uttered once for each hour. At this particular moment, it was three o'clock, and everyone in the hotel could hear the booming <clears throat> ring of the enormous bell clock, uttering the, the word three times in succession. Wrong, wrong, wrong. As she walked through the sliding doors of the elevator and down the basement hallway, past the ornamental vases and numbered doors, Sunny Baudelaire felt as if the clock were scolding her for her efforts in solving the mystery, the mysteries at the Hotel du Monde. Wrong. She had been, she had tried her best to be a flaneur, but hadn't observed enough to discover that the two teachers and vice principal from Prufrock Preparatory School were doing in the hotel wrong that she had tried to communicate with one of the hotel's managers but had been unable to discover whether it was frank or earnest or whether uh frank or earnest do 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 come on i just lost my spot communicate frank, or whether hal was a volunteer or an enemy and most wrong of all she was performing an errand as a concierge and was now turning to turning the entrance of the laundry room into the vernacularly fastened door for some unknown sinister purpose. With each strike of the clock, Sunny felt wronger and wronger until the last, until at last she reached room 025, where a washerwoman with a long blonde hair and rumpled clothing was just shutting the door on her way out. With a hurried nod, the washerwoman padded down the hallway, and Sunny, Sunny dearly hoped that her two siblings had followed more success on their errands, for as she placed the lock on the doorknob and typed in the letter VFD into the typewriter keyboard, all of the youngest Baudelaire's could think that this was everything. Oh. That everything was wrong, wrong, wrong. And Peyton is asleep, asleep, asleep. Yep. Totally out.